Let's pray. Grab out your Bibles if you've brought them. And we're just going to share some scriptures together. Lord, we do just thank you that you're always at work. That he who began a good work, as you've done in all those who've called upon your name, will see it through to completion until that glorious day that we stand before you. And Lord, I pray that in whatever way you desire, you would accomplish what's on your heart for us this morning. Give us listening ears. Give us a receptive heart. Lord, we want to hear your voice. We need desperately to hear your voice in all the noise and the confusion that surrounds us in the world. Speak clearly. And may we, like your sheep, know the voice of our shepherd leading, guiding, protecting, and at work in the midst of your people. Let your kingdom come, Lord. We're here for you. We're here to know you. We're here to love you. We're here to encounter you. We pray all these things, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's get right into it. We're going to read from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13. Let me read this passage. This is a passage that many people would put up there as their favorite passage in this letter, possibly their favorite passage in all of Scripture. Certainly if you have an apologist, apologetics bent, this is a, a good verse for many reasons. So we'll read it together, we'll come back, we'll get the context, and we'll just share a few things, hopefully, from the Lord's heart for us this morning. Verse 13 says this, Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? For even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear. How much fear? None. No fear, nor be troubled. Have we got a little bit of fear and troubledness? Is that a word? Troubledness around us? I would suggest that we have. But here's our response in verse 15. But in your hearts, your heart and in my heart, in our hearts, Honor Christ the Lord as holy. Some translations put it more like this. Honor Christ who is your Lord. He is our Lord. Christ the Lord is who he is as the one who is holy. And always be prepared to make a defense as the word that literally means, it's from the, the, the word that we derive apologetics from, which means a, a defense. It means a reason. It means an explanation. A logical, articulate manner of sharing what? Sharing our hope, it says. Make a defense to anybody who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing Evil, the end of our passage for this morning. Wonderful passage of Scripture, wonderful perspective. And really what Peter is saying, as uh, we celebrate Father's Day, we might say, well, one thing dads are known for is their bad jokes. I won't ask for a show of hands where that's the case. But Peter's saying the one thing that Christians should be known for is their hope. They should be known for their hope. It should be evident in their hearts and their lives. So we're going to talk about 
what that means, what that looks like. Remembering the context here. So the last three weeks, I said as we begun this portion of Scripture, that my mission, and hopefully we've accomplished it in some way, was not necessarily to talk about some of the things going on in our nation or even the nations of the world, but to give us a helpful perspective. It's a perspective I believe that we need in all seasons, but particularly in seasons where there are things around us that could cause us to be fearful, could cause us to be troubled. What's our response as Christians? And so just by way of review, and so we get the flow here of this passage we read. If you've got your Bibles, just flick back to verse 8. We're not going to cover it all. Remembering that Peter says, finally. So he's summarizing a few things of key importance. He begins to say, love one another, care for one another, have sympathy for one another. He says, it's not going to work unless you guys can learn how to do this together. You need one another if you're to be effective, if you're to accomplish what God has for you. We need each other. So we might as well try and enjoy it, not just endure that. He goes on and says in verse 9, Do not repay evil for evil, reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, literally in opposite spirit to evil around, revival meaning personal insults, when stuff's coming against you personally, we come back in the opposite spirit with a heart to bless. We covered that a few weeks ago, talking about blessing being this declaration of hope. We believe that God is at work, that he is willing, that he is able. Amen. At least one of us is in agreement. And then he goes on, so we looked at what it means to bless, and he says, but for those who will bless, who will be part of this redemptive gospel, the gospel is always redemptive, there is a blessing. There is a blessing that he says, we know as believers who will have this heart, it's two things, it's that God will be there, that he will deliver us, that he will protect us, that he will comfort us, and it's a promise that he will hear our prayers and that his eyes will constantly be upon the righteous. So we looked at this perspective of blessing, this promise that we hold on to, this privilege and priority to pray. What are we praying into? See, first we've got to look, we've got to see what God is saying that he's doing, and then we've got to pray into it. Everything that happens, happens because we're willing to get on our knees and to pray and to seek the Lord and to keep on praying. And here's the third aspect, which we, cover, we will cover this morning, is he's saying we then need to be a people prepared. We need to be a prepared people. We've got to be prepared to be a part of this mission of hope and this gospel that we have been commissioned to proclaim to the ends of the earth. So we look for God's purpose, we pray into God's purpose, but then we ready ourselves to participate. See, that's God's intention. He invites us in to his plans and his purposes. He doesn't just say, I'm at work in your nation. You can absolutely hang your hat on that promise. But he says, and I want to use you, and I want to invite you into what I have for your city and for your nation. We're here for a reason. We're here for a purpose. We're here to partner with him. That's why he said, pray, let your kingdom come. And let your will be done. Because we believe that he's willing and that he's able and that he actually means what he says. says what he means. And he wants to use us to be a part of what he has planned for this time. This unique place and position in human history. 
So I want to encourage us about what does it mean then for us to be a prepared people. Number one, remembering that we're to be prepared to share hope. So I'm reflecting on this nature of how, how are we properly prepared to share hope. Number one, simply this. You've got to have your hope secured. Secure your hope. Here's what he says. He says, have no fear, nor be troubled. He's saying that not in some hypothetical situation. He's saying because there's plenty of things around that could have you fearful and that could have you troubled. But instead of fear and trouble, honor Christ the Lord. He's saying keep Jesus on the throne of your heart. Have that perspective. You see, perspective is so important. We had this week the opportunity to uh, send our eldest girl who's netball crazy. Any other netball fanatics in the room? There's one right up the back. Is that all? But not a netball church. Maybe that was a half. Not sure. Not convinced. Well, there was an international netball game that was played this week in Canberra. Did you know that? You did? A few people did. Australia versus, was it South Africa? Australia versus South Africa. My eldest, she's netball crazy. So we'd ummed and art about should we send her along. She was pleading and begging, could she go to this game? We d- decided in the end that we wouldn't just because it was a late night. It was a Wednesday night, school night. And then we got offered two free tickets. So my wife said, this is too good to refuse. We've got to take her along to see this netball game. So she did, and she's into netball. She can tell you all the players. She can tell you the position. She plays netball. She knows all about it. So, of course, she was over the moon when we said, you're going to be able to go, you'll be able to watch the netball. And she went there, and these are amazing tickets. I think there were four or five rows from the front, I was told. So she's right in the midst of the action, and I couldn't wait to hear when she got home. She burst through the door. She said, Daddy, you're not going to believe it. It was the most amazing thing ever. She said, the girls are huge, which they are. They're all tall. They're massive. She said, they're fast. They're skillful. She said, I've never seen anything like it. And this was her statement, which I thought was great. She said, you know, I thought I knew netball. And she's that sort of girl where you give her two seconds and she knows all there is to know about any topic on the planet. You just ask her. She said, I thought I knew netball. I mean, I could have told you the players' names and their birth dates and everything else. But she said, I was there. I had no idea what netball really was like. And she's still talking about it. This incredible perspective of what netball is like. You see, perspective is so important and it's so powerful. And before... Peter talks about the need for us to share our hope. He says, make sure it's secure. Make sure you've got proper perspective. That's why I believe in this current season, coming together like this is so important. Worship is so important for many reasons. But one reason is it's a place where we finally get proper perspective. It's only when we can see him for who he is. He's Lord. He's on the throne. He's reigning. He's ruling. He's at work. And Colossians says that we're seated with him in heavenly places. Set your eyes on things above. See, it's only really from that place that we can properly pray. We can properly see what is on the heart of God. We can properly walk and be a part of his purposes and plans. So he's saying here, number one, secure your hope. Make sure you have the correct perspective. So what is our perspective? I meant to say this. And I've said this all the way through the last few weeks. Really, more than anything else, this is 
what I've been trying to encourage us with. Because I feel like, not us as a church, but just the church in general, and a lot of things, and it's so often the case, this is the perspective that I believe we have, if not lost, certainly diminished. And let me say it in the words of someone else. It's amazing how many times you can preach a message and preach it and preach it and preach it, and then you get a visiting speaker or someone else who makes the same point, and everyone says, oh, did you hear that point he made? That was profound. I said, I pre- did you ever get that? No, never, of course, right, of course, yeah. Happens sometimes in relationships, doesn't it? I, my wife will have a conversation and she's like, oh, this person just said that, not so sweetheart, I've said that a hundred times. That's another sermon, let's move on very quickly. So this is a famous quote, just putting it in different words, the reality of this perspective, which is so important for us to, to grasp, a guy by the name of Ralph Winter, probably the premier missiologist from the last 100 years. He passed away a few decades ago now. Director for the Centre of World Mission. Makes his statement. We would do well to recognise what seems to be the consistent thrust of the whole Bible, that unless and until in faith the future of the world becomes more important than the future of the church, The church has no future. Let me rephrase that again, seeing some confused looks. Unless and until in faith the future of the world becomes more important than the future of the church, the church has no future. See, I would phrase it this way. He's getting to the the heart and the motivation of who we are as people and as believers is our major motivation, preservation. Or is it proclamation? Are we here simply to save the church and preserve and be defensive and resist? Or are we here, as we've said all the time along, to proclaim the gospel of God? To redeem, to be a part of the redemptive purposes of God on the earth. This is Peter's concern, I believe, in this whole little passage of scripture here to a people who were facing difficulty. And this is my major concern. That yes, there is every reason to want to resist. There is. Every reason. That's what he's saying. There's evil around. There's personal attacks. There's every reason to want to just preserve, to just hide in our little corner of the world and pretend like nothing's happening out there. And Peter is saying, I want you to get this so clearly. Your mission is not preservation. Your message is proclamation. Look to bless. Look to pray into what God's doing and then be prepared for him actually to answer that prayer and send you to share hope, to bring good news. I'm prayerful. I'm hopeful that in the midst of all that's going on, not only in our nation, around the world, that we will somehow catch a glimpse of the powerful message of the gospel. And our need to proclaim and not just preserve. See, either we're going to react or resist in fear, or we're going to respond in faith. And I've heard, as probably you have, and I can understand where this is coming from, I've heard a lot of fearful conversations. Lots of fearful conversations. Well, this is over, you know. Let's find some worms and sit down in a corner somewhere. Our nation's gone down the toilet, nations of the world. People don't like God anymore. People aren't friendly to Christians. This is horrible. What are we going to do? 
Let's find a rock and just crawl under it. There's so much reacting in fear. There's very little, I have seen some, but there's very little responding in faith. That's what I want to stir our hearts. This is the moment. This is the glorious moment in our nation to respond in faith. We've got a message that has stood and will continue to stand the test of time. We're not just saying, well, you know, we want to preserve legalities. We do want to preserve marriage. Absolutely, we want to uphold it. But we're here to proclaim a gospel of grace, a gospel of love. We're here to talk about a loving Heavenly Father who predestined us to adoption before the foundation of the world, who came himself, who made a way to rescue and redeem, who, whose blood has washed our sins away so that we might know forgiveness and hope and peace and joy inexpressible and full of glory. This is the, the wonderful gospel we get to proclaim to a world that needs to hear it. Let's remember our perspective and our mission, not just to preserve, but to Proclaim. Number two, secure your hope was number one. Number two is awaken your hope. We're talking about being prepared to share hope. I think this is fascinating because he doesn't say in here that people will ask about our faith. They might. He just doesn't mention it. He doesn't say that they'll ask about our doctrine, our church services, our good works, our programs. Now, people might ask about those things. I'm not saying they won't. But he specifically says, be prepared to share with anybody who asks you about your hope. So how is it that people might ask about our hope? Remembering that the very first command back in chapter 1, many months ago now, I know, chapter 1, verse 13, where Peter says, set your hope fully on this gospel, on grace, on the Lord Jesus. All the way through, he's emphasized this reality that we are to be full of hope. Not half-hearted hopers. Full of hope. And I love this picture. He says, in fact, you're supposed to be so full of hope that it just leaks out. We're supposed to be leaky Christians. That People come and they're like, what is that? So it's just my hope. It's just leaking out. It's just spilling out everywhere. Unashamed, just spilling out hope to the degree that people notice they're like what what is that hope i want to know about that hope the question for us is is the world asking is the world asking you about your hope if not why is the world not asking us about our hope have we lost or at least diminished our hope See, if we're to share a case for hope requires us to have an awakened hope. Requires us to have a hope that is burning bright. A hope that is so brimming within us that it is leaking out of us into the world around. It means to live in such a constant awareness of Christ, holding on to his promises, resting in his goodness, such a dependency upon his Holy Spirit, so filled with hope that others would see the hope in us. That's the mission. That's the mission. That others would say, what is that hope? I need to know about your hope. I think hope's interesting for another reason. First of all, it's interesting because it means that we've got to 
awaken the hope within us. But also I believe Peter is pointing us to the fact that there is nothing more attractive, there's nothing more needed to be desired in the world than hope. That's what's going to attract them to this glorious gospel. If it's important for us to maintain our hope, it's even more important for the world. It's even more needed in the world. I love what Ravi Zacharias, I quote from him from time to time. I know the great apologist. He has a quote. He says, There is an unquenchable, undeniable longing in the human heart for significance, for meaning, for purpose, for hope. And he said, I can say without any shadow of a doubt, the only hope that is ever to be found in this earth is in the cross, the death, the resurrection, the Lord Jesus Christ. We have hope. We have the one who is the hope of the nations. This is too good. It's too good to keep to ourselves. This is a hope that needs, that must be shared. So we talked about securing your hope. We talked about awakening your hope. And of course, his emphasis here is that we would share our hope. And here's the thing I love about this. See, he doesn't say, be prepared when the moment arises to go and grab your pastor so he can articulate for you the hope that's in your heart. He says, you be prepared to share the hope that is in you to anyone who asks. It's the everyone sharing with the anyone. Do you have hope? If you don't, come forward. We're going to deal with that after the service. If you do have hope, then that qualifies you to share. You don't have to be an apologist. You don't have to have a degree in theology. You don't have to be a pastor. Anyone who has hope is qualified to share. And yes, it would be very easy at this point to go on and to talk about all the reasons why we believe what we believe. Apologists love this verse because it does talk about making a case. And if we did that, I guarantee we'd be here for who knows how long. And I know you have places to go. So I want to emphasize what Peter is emphasizing here. He says, yes, have your own reason worked out. But there's a couple other things that I've always found help, helpful when it comes to sharing your hope. Three things really quickly. Number one, he points us to readiness, not results. Readiness, not results. Let me explain what I mean. He says here, after he's encouraged us to make a defense for the hope, in verse 16, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered. Let's think about that for a moment. See, I, I would have thought that it would have gone something like this. Share the hope so that you're ready when they fall on their knees and recognize that they're sinners and that they're in need of the grace of the Lord Jesus and they cry out and you lead them in a sinner's prayer and there's tears and they're thankful. That's, that's what I thought witnessing was all about. And yet it takes a different turn, doesn't it? He says, share the hope so that when you are slandered, not when you might be slandered. This is so important, I believe, for us. What has been important for me to recognize in a world that is so caught up in results. We're focused in business and sporting field on the bottom line, on the runs on the board, unless you're the Australian team and they can't seem to get any runs at all at the moment. But it's different in God's kingdom. He says, don't get caught up in needing results. You just be obedient. What's your call? To share the hope. You do the sharing. 
he will do the saving. I can't tell you how much that has helped me understanding in my witnessing. It's just your job to share. I'd get frustrated if I hadn't cultivated the soil and planted and watered and borne the harvest in five minutes. I failed. He says, no, you just do the sharing. Just share the hope that is within you. The second one, I love this picture, and I'd phrase it this way. Don't lose the moments in the mission. Don't lose the moments in the mission. Remembering that Peter has emphasized here as we've gone through this book, the call that these people have that we have to proclaim the excellencies of him who's called us out of darkness into light. To proclaim to the world the gospel. It's a gloriously wonderful big mission to see God work in our nation. Well, how does that outplay? What does that look like practically? He says, just share your hope. Just share your hope. So often I have lost the moments in the mission. One silly example. I remember when I had uh, surrendered my life to Christ in my late teens and I just had this passion to witness. This passion to witness. And so every moment that I had, every time anyone would ask me a question, I wanted to make sure I was prepared. And there was this one time in university, I was sitting there with a group of friends, and we happened to be talking just about, in, in general, about Christian matters. And one of them asked a question and said, oh, well, what do you think about you know, the Bible's creation story? Is, is that, do you actually believe what the Bible says about creation? And I said, well, do I believe it? So come back next week. I've got some time. We're going to talk about the creation story. It's a true story. And so I went away for a week and I prepared. And I came back and I had encyclopedias. I had all the Greek definitions of the word. I mean, I had literally, I had six months worth of material. I think they turned up and they went, whoa, how long are we going to be here for? The problem was that most of them, I think there was four or five in the group, most of them lasted about 10 minutes. And they're ready to go to sleep. One guy sat through it for an hour and then went, look, thanks. You appreciate all the research you've done, but I'm out of here. Now, I was coming from a great place. I wanted people to see the beauty of Scripture. I wanted people to meet Jesus. But I way overcomplicated how to share. I could give you many other examples. It's really simple. Peter's saying, just look for the moments. Yes, there's a glorious mission. But that doesn't mean we've got to go and raid the cemetery and raise a hundred dead bodies. I mean, that's, that's okay. Raising the dead's all right. But so often it's just about just share your hope. Just look for that little moment to bring hope. Just share your hope. Just share your hope. So it's about readiness, not results. It's about not losing the moments in the mission. And here's the third thing that I love about this passage of Scripture when it comes to sharing, is that the greatest story you have is you. It's you. See, it doesn't say here, give a reason for the hope that's in Adam, that's in your pastor. It's not even in the Scripture. It's just the hope that's in you. Just share your story. So often we overcomplicate this. Witnessing becomes easy when it's just a matter of, of sharing hope. Just start a conversation and share hope. If you ever get stuck in conversations, I've discovered a secret. Although everyone at the early service seemed to know this secret. I don't think it's very secret. But I've discovered in my conversations with people, I've discovered what every single person's favorite topic is. Every person. Do you know what it is? Oh, 
You know the secret too. It's themselves. If you get stuck, just ask them about themselves. You know, what would you do on the weekend? Hey, you know, how, how, how's whatever? What about the sport? You know, have you got kids? You're married? Have you got grandkids? Be prepared for pictures and life stories. And that's all good. Just start a conversation. Ask some questions and look for moments to share hope. Be ready to share hope. It's time because it's so desperately needed for us to recognize this perspective of proclamation. We're here to bring hope. But don't overcomplicate it. Just keep it simple. Just share hope. Start a conversation this week. Ask some questions. Look for the moment. I'll be one moment. Look for the moments to bring hope. So we're called to be this people of perspective, this people of pray. Of prayer. You know, I've prayed more for our nation and our city, I think, this year than I have for many, many years. Just really pressing in in prayer. But then we're also called to be a people who are prepared, sleeves rolled up, looking for his purpose, praying into his purpose, but being ready to participate. He wants to use you and he wants to use me to bring hope. Let's pray. We're only five minutes over too, so that's a miracle in itself. Just close your eyes. Let's just turn our attention to the Lord. See what he wants to do this morning. Lord, I thank you that we can share hope because you are hope. And I pray, first of all, for each and every one of us here, Lord, whether there's a sense in which we are overflowing with hope, with little hope, or we feel hopeless without hope. Lord, I thank you for that picture of us called to be leaky Christians. Just where you're... Your hope shines out of imperfect vessels. I thank you that it's not about us having all the right words, having all the right answers, but Lord, it's about us allowing your hope to shine out of us. And so I want to pray right now just for an infilling of hope. Pray for an awakening of hope. Stir our hearts until we are that people brimming with hope. And Lord, I pray that there would be opportunities, even this week, for people to ask, people to inquire, people to see your hope in us, and that there'd be moments for us bringing hope to them. I thank you, Lord, that there is nothing that's going on around us. There's nothing that's going on personally that's outside your redemptive purpose and plan that you're at work, that you will be at work until the day that you return. And Lord, we want to be a people who are about proclamation, who are about telling others the good news. We want to look for your perspective. We want to pray into your perspective. And we want to be prepared to go and share hope with others. I ask for every one of us that there might be at least one conversation this week Stir us. Bring these words to remembrance. To just ask questions, start a conversation, 
share hope. Just to plant the seeds and allow you to outwork your saving purpose and plans. We pray. That your name be exalted, God, in our lives and our city. We just pray that in your name. Jesus. Amen.